I'm honored to be here and be a part of your worship service this morning. And our scripture lesson this morning comes from Matthew, 22nd chapter, Matthew 22, the first 14 verses. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf are killed. All things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, and he destroyed those murderers and burned the city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And so he said to him, Friend, How did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And thus endeth the reading of his word this morning. I usually like to preface anything I say with a title. I think it sort of pulls it together. And I was kind of torn. Do I make a title for this, Excuses, and you'll see why in a few minutes, or do I use All Are Invited? But I ended up using All Are Invited because I think that's positive, where excuses are rather rather negative. Keith Miller is an author, and he wrote a book, and in it he told a very humorous little story, but it was true. It seems a mother had wanted to take her children to a farm where they had a petting zoo and various animals ran free, and they even had an elephant where you could ride on. And so one fine day possibly a day much like today, who knows. She decided she'd bundle her kids up in her Volkswagen Beetle and off they went to the farm. They were having a glorious time. Parking lot was full, so they had to park right side of the ranger station. After a while, she thought, oh my, I'm supposed to be at the airport and pick up my husband. Come on, kids, let's go. They got back to the ranger station, and a look of utter dismay crossed her face. 
In her own words, that little Volkswagen Beetle was smushed. The ranger came out immediately and he said to her, our elephant is trained to sit on a red tub and she mistook your Volkswagen Beetle for that red tub and she sat on the front of it. We'll have it fixed for you. Now as many of you know, in the Beetle, the motor is in the back. So it was still drivable. Well, come on kids, she says, we still have to pick up my husband at the airport. So they piled in and off they went. They hadn't gone too far until there was a minor accident and they were sitting in traffic. Her patience didn't last very long, so finally decided, I bet we could zip around on the berm and get around this accident and still get to the airport on time. There were two policemen at the accident. One was directing traffic. The other one was doing the paperwork. And as that little red bug scooted by on the side, immediately one of them gave chase. Look, lady, don't you know it's against the law to leave the scene of an accident? She said, I didn't have an accident. What's the matter with your car? Without batting an eye. Oh, she said an elephant sat on it. That's when he reached for his breathalyzer. <laughs> excuses, excuses, excuses. That's part of our lesson for this morning. In this morning's gospel, Jesus tells a parable which is a story, not necessarily true, but is a story which is meant to have a moral to it, which is to make something a little more understandable. But in this, the king throws a wedding party, and he had sent out invitations some time ago. The day and the time arrived. No one showed up. So he sent his servants out. Go and see these people. Maybe they just forgot. But they went. They all had excuses of one kind or another. I've got to go see my land. I've got to go take care of my business. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then some of them who had no excuse sat on and beat the servants, and they even killed part of them. And the king was furious, and he destroyed those people in that city. And then he sent out his servants yet again. He said, go out into the highways and the byways. Anybody you find, both good and bad, invite them in until the hall is full. A few thoughts on this parable. Maybe you have some of your own. First, a worship service, such as we have here this morning, can be likened to that wedding feast. Candles are lit. Flowers are arranged. We've had music. We've greeted each other. We've had a form of fellowship. Now let the celebration begin. What are we celebrating we're celebrating the king's love for his son Jesus and for each one of us. We are not here because we have to be. 
Nobody made us come. We are here because we are honoring an invitation. There's a story of a man who fell into a well. And after falling down that slimy brick-lined shaft, he couldn't get out, so he thought, I'll call for help. He called and he called and he called, and no one answered. No one heard him. So finally he decided, it's up to me to get out. And so he tried to climb, and he got his fingers into the mortar joints, but he'd get up a few feet and slide back down until finally his fingernails became broken and his fingers were bloody on the end, and so he gave up entirely. A passerby finally came back and he heard him calling again. He said, I can't get you out of that, but I have something that might help, and so he lowered a bottle of wine to him. After he became sufficiently inebriated, it wasn't so bad. But later on, when he sobered up, he was still wet, he was still cold, he was still miserable, and he had a headache. So he called again, and this time a woman answered. She said, I can't get you out of that. My suggestion is you make the best of a bad situation. After all, you could have broken your neck when you fell down. You're still alive. That's a good point. That didn't work very well either. He was still wet, still cold, still miserable. Finally, another man came and heard him calling. He said, I can get you out of that, but you've got to trust me implicitly. Yes, I will trust you. Then Jesus Christ dropped down into that well. The man climbed on his shoulders and got out, while Christ took his place in the bottom of that well. This is not really just one man's story. Rather, this is a story of mankind. This is the story of humanity. We all have sinned. That puts us all in the same boat. And without faith in Christ, we have no way to climb out. <clears throat> One theologian described it a little bit like this. A passenger boat was crossing the Atlantic, and a number of people got washed overboard. Now, their reason for falling overboard was not important. Each one discovered that he was in the same boat. He was washed overboard. He was in the cold, cruel Atlantic Ocean, along with a number of his companions. It's meaningless. It's wasting your time to theorize who deserved to be washed overboard and who didn't. They all have the same problem, regardless of whether they were traveling first class or economy. The need is the same, the need is great, and the need is total. No way that we can pull ourselves up just by ourselves, by our own bootstraps. Bootstrap. We need help. We stand in the presence of God on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. A gospel writer had it right when he wrote these words, and we're going to sing them a little later. 
Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else would help, love lifted me. We are here because of what Christ has done. We are at a banquet given by the king for his son. We rise to sing his praise. This is what worship is all about. And there's one more thing that we have to do before we leave this banquet. And that is to go out into the highways and the byways, just as the king did, to fill the hall. Find those who are in need of the king's blessings as much as we are. A prominent pastor retired some years ago, and he tells how he got into the ministry. He was a little boy in a small town, and each Sunday his mother would send him off to Sunday school. One Sunday he stopped at the local drugstore for a soft drink and decided, hey, this is kind of nice. I'm not going on to Sunday school. I'll spend the hour here. Meanwhile, the boys in the class had assembled, and the teacher looked around and he said, where is Roy? Finally, one boy ventured to guess. I don't know for sure, but I'll bet he's down at the drugstore. Teacher says, wait right here. I'll be right back. I'm going after Roy. He went down and he found Roy and he returned to class. Later, as a grown man, Roy Williams would say, I owe my call to the ministry to a teacher who cared enough about me, enough to leave his class and come out and find me. Had it not been for the caring of that teacher, I would never have gone into the ministry. Each person, each single person is important in God's plan. And that reminds me of a parable which is found in the 15th chapter of Luke. What woman having ten silver dollars, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me! For I have found that which was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The banquet may be drawing to a close, but we have work to do. Find boys and girls, teenagers, families, young and old. Invite them in. Saints and sinners, laborers and stockbrokers from all stations of life, invite them to participate and enjoy what God has to offer. Remember the character at the end of the parable who was not properly dressed and was thrown out into the darkness. This is not reference to clothing. This is a reference to attitude. Sometimes a change in attitude is necessary. All are invited to the king's celebration. But to really partake, to really participate, you have to be willing to change your attitude to what the king deems is acceptable. An attitude of becoming more Christ-like. In this parable, 
God is the king. Jesus is the son. The Sadducees and the Pharisees are those who rejected God's invitation. So finally, the king invites everyone. That includes you and me. The dress code to go to that banquet is to put on a Christ-like attitude. It might be a change in values. It might be a change in goals. Maybe even a different set of loyalties. The invitation has been sent. No RSVP is necessary. Just your presence and willingness to live the type of life that Jesus has laid out for us. Shall we pray? Oh God, you do invite us to your banquet with the condition that we are willing to follow in your footsteps. We don't always pause long enough to hear your voice, but we ask that you create in us the desire to be more Christ-like. Sometimes we feel the burdens of the world are too heavy for us to bear, only because we have failed to ask for your help. Grant us patience. Grant us wisdom to deal justly with all mankind. There are those this morning that are suffering from wars, from natural disasters, from the hate of their fellow man, and from illness. Be with them. Comfort them. Heal them and protect them. Walk with them as only thou canst do. We ask it all in thy holy name. Amen.